Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Make sure the mic's on, right? Good morning, everyone. How we doing? Good, good. Awesome, awesome. And also, good morning to everyone joining us on uh, our online platform and live stream. Um, it's good to be with you guys, and I'm excited to dive into God's Word uh, today with you all. Um, how many of you guys know that it's a privilege to be in God's Word, to be able to read it, to be able to hear God's voice? Amen? Amen? I mean, the fact that you're here, the fact that you're a believer shows that God's word works. Amen? The fact that somebody at some point preached the gospel to you, shared the love of Jesus with you, is proof that God's word works. Um, And at one point in my life, I could say that I didn't always appreciate God's word. Um, And like all of us, we need help uh, re-appreciating God's word. Amen? Yeah, yeah, we don't always wake up and appreciate how valuable God's word is. I know that I don't always... Um, and, I, and I could point to a time in my life where uh, I, I can say that I was I was close to God, right, in proximity, um, but in my heart, I wasn't close to God. Does that make sense? We can, we can be with God, right, and not with God at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So um, in my relationship with my wife, uh, we, we've talked about this often, that we can be with one another physically right, but not be with one another emotionally and connected, right, and uh, I remember being in uh, college, uh, I was 26 years old, and you could ask me about the, the gap in my, uh, my age at that point, but I was in Bible college, and I felt God's calling on my life to, to learn God's word and to be able to study it, and so I enrolled in Bible college, and I remember I was so excited uh, because in high school, I was one of those students that didn't uh, like to study. Can anybody relate? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't like the study. Um, but at this point in my life, there was like this turnaround. I don't know exactly what happened, but I was eager to study. I was eager to learn. I was eager uh, to learn more about God, sensing that God had a calling for me uh, to fulfill. And so I'm here at this Bible college and I was, I was diving into the Bible. I was uh, diving into all these books about God and theology and brilliant men of the faith who uh, proclaimed uh, things about God and answered questions that I had in my own heart that I would wrestle with. And it was just, I I mean, I was just soaking it up. It was beautiful. But I can recall moments where uh, I would open God's word. And while I was required to read the Bible, right, there was moments where I I could say, hey, I'm opening my Bible. I'm in the word of God. But my heart was not connected to the Lord. And so it's true that we can be around God and yet not experiencing God experience him. Um, And that's this idea this morning. uh, Are you with me? Uh, I I believe that's the question Jesus is asking us. Are you with me? Are you not just here present, but are you with me in spirit? Are you with me in your mind? Are you with me in your affections? Are you with me in your desire? I believe there's nothing more important uh, than to be with Jesus. I mean, that's the call of our, our relationship that God Uh, came down to earth, right? God dwelt among us, as John says, that he wanted to be among us, to draw us to himself. 
so that we would experience the joy and satisfaction of being his children. Um, I'm going to pray one more time uh, before we get started. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38 to 42. So you can grab your Bibles if you have them or your smartphones, whatever it is. Um, but let me let me pray before we get started. Father God, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for what you have planned for us, God. I know we we oftentimes come to you, God, not expecting. But Father, I'm expecting you to show up. God, I'm expecting you to speak to us this morning. And God, I pray for a heart of expectancy in your people. God, that we would hear from your word and, and find life in it. Um, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we start off in our story, Luke chapter 10. Uh, this is a story many of you might be familiar with. It is a story of Mary and Martha. Um, Mary and Martha, later on you see in the book of Luke, are friends of Jesus, right? Their brother was Lazarus, who God or Jesus raised from the dead, right? But here is sort of this uh, introduction story uh, to how they uh, meet Jesus and experience him in their own home. Luke 10, verse 38, uh, starts us off, and it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Verse 39 says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So in that time, uh, well, we know that Jesus, he was a, uh, his popularity was growing, right? He was teaching the word of God. Uh, Luke 4, I believe, tells us that he taught with authority. So he wasn't just teaching from his head. He wasn't just teaching, you know, what he heard. He was teaching as one with authority. So people heard him and they were like, Jesus, man, like when he talks, my heart burns, Right? Like when he talks, there's something different about his teaching. He's not like these other teachers over here just teaching because they're hearing from God and then proclaiming it. No, Jesus, it's almost as though he's God himself, right? And so Jesus has this authority. And not only that, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's raising paralyzed uh, boys from uh, their infirmary. Um, and he's doing so much. He's restoring sight from the blind. And so Martha hears that he's coming into her town of Bethany. And it made sense in that, in that in those days, hospitality was so important to open your home to somebody, but especially a distinguished teacher like Jesus. And so Martha opens her home to Jesus. And with opening your home, especially to a, a distinguished teacher, there was uh, some, some food that had to be prepared, right? When you have a distinguished guest, you don't just invite them in, you prepare a meal for them, right? Um, but back then, there was no DoorDash. Uh, there was no Uber Eats, right? There uh, wasn't uh, that shot right rotisserie chicken that you pick up when you've wanted to make something, but then you're like, man, it's going to take too much time, and so I'm just going to pick this up, right? There was none of that. And so Jesus shows up, and immediately the meal prepping begins. And so Martha is busy at work creating this meal for this distinguished teacher. In verse 39, it says that she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, this is unusual because in those days, women were not disciples. That's what this is implying. See, Mary's not sitting on the floor because there weren't enough chairs in the house or because Martha, her sister, had too many couch cushions or decorative pillows. She was on the floor because she was declaring herself to be a disciple of Jesus, a student of Jesus. 
And so she's here sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words, taking it in, uh, enjoying what God is saying to her. How many guys have ever been, uh, you, you might have been in a mix of people and uh, you're, you're paying attention to something, but then you hear an interesting conversation going on, right? That's called ear hustling, where you, 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 you're paying attention to someone else, but you know something else is going on. You're like, I got to be a part of this conversation. Well, Mary is hearing Jesus speak and she was drawn in. And so here she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he says as a disciple and the encouragement I want, I want uh, to first start us off with that if you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, the greatest priority of our lives is to be disciples, to hear God, to hear Jesus, that we have this opportunity every morning, every evening, every afternoon, wherever we are at, to take in the words of Jesus. This is a privilege that we had. And in those days, the disciples, they were shocked at Mary because she's a woman. This, not, this is not her place in that culture. But Mary knew, man, there is no place I would rather be right now than to be with Jesus hearing his words. Do we have that same value for Jesus? Do we have that same appreciation for God's word? The interesting thing about this as well is that Mary was a woman, like I said. Galatians 3.28 says this, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The amazing thing about this is that when God invites us through the gospel, when God calls us to himself, God opens the door wide open for everyone to receive him. No matter of your gender, no matter of your status, God is offering an invitation saying, come, learn of me, listen. He invites us all. Moving on, we see in Luke uh, verse 40, chapter 10, verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted. Her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I know somebody, some of you guys can relate, right? You're, you're, you're at home, you're doing the work, and it seems like there is no help. You're doing the work, and you're wondering, what are they doing? Why are they still sleeping? Why are they still snoozing? And the interesting thing about this is that Martha, it's not that Martha was wrong in her preparations. It's not that Martha was wrong to prepare this elaborate meal, right? But notice, she was preoccupied with herself. You see, we are all given a task and an ability to serve Jesus in some way, right? But Martha was focused on herself. Martha was focused on me. And in those days, women, they were, uh, culturally, they were expected to prepare the meals, they were expected to do all this stuff. And I guess Martha, maybe she knew that. Maybe she was like, hey, I just want to be a good host. Hostess, I want to be, uh, uh, I want to honor Jesus, right? I want, I want people to know that uh, my work is valuable. I want people to see this meal that I've done, right? How many of you guys, we, we value when we cook for someone. We value when we do something for someone else. But oftentimes we focus on the activity, right? We focus on the activity and the attention gets put away from God. It's no longer about, God, I'm serving you. God, I am doing this to honor you. God, I am doing this because you're awesome, and I just want to offer up my gifts to you. No, we do it, and we point to ourselves. Notice what she says. She says, Lord, 
don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's focused on herself. Another thing to notice is that she is comparing her sister's relationship with Jesus and what she's doing to her own. See, oftentimes as, as Christians, right, we judge our relationship with God on others. What are they doing? God, why are you blessing them? God, why, why is their relationship so awesome? And I'm over here doing the work. I'm over here serving in the church. I'm over here uh, trying to be faithful to you. Why does it seem that other people are getting blessed and not me? And that's another pitfall in our relationship with God. We can compare ourselves to other people. Uh, the author Mark Twain said this, comparison is the death of joy. How many guys know that that's true, right? If you uh, scroll through social media, and I'm guilty of it too, we find people whose lives appear better than ours. We find Christians whose uh, devotion to God, it seems more genuine. More, We find people's lives uh, better than our own, and we begin to compare ourselves. And so God checks that part of our heart, right? Jesus comes and he later will see confronts Mary or Martha. It's oftentimes too that not just in serving in the church and things like that, but as parents, right? In our lifestyles, in our relationship with God, all of these things. Sometimes parents we parents might be looking at other parents and saying, "Man, I don't I don't parent like that. My parenting is not perfect like them. They seem to have it all together. Relationships, spouses, we might be looking and saying, man, why, did, why does their marriage seem to be healthier than mine? Why does their relationship uh, seem to be more intact than mine? And we be, begin comparing. But Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says that when we work, when we serve, whatever we do, whether it's parenting, whether it's marriage, whether it's serving at work, all of it is to be done unto the Lord. And so we have to get rid of comparison. It's the quickest way to kill our joy in the Lord. Last thing on Martha, uh, she is lacking the value of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that Mary's preparations were wrong, like I said, but notice this, that Mary, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She recognizes not only that Jesus is important, right, but she recognizes that Jesus is worth being with. Oftentimes, we, we, in our work, we might be offering it up to the Lord to a sense. But are we taking the time to be with Jesus? Are we taking the time to spend with Jesus? Uh, a man by the name of Jerry Bridges, he, he wrote a book on transforming grace. And uh, he, he passed away, but um, he, he quoted these words. He said, so often we try to develop Christian character and conduct without taking the time to develop God-centered devotion. We try to please God without taking the time to walk with him and develop a relationship with him. This is impossible to do. You want to understand how to have passion in your life, how to serve God with joy, you spend time with him. You develop that relationship with him. It's not enough to just do the work of ministry, to do what God is asking you to do without the heart behind it. Amen? So we move on where 
Jesus responds now to Martha. We see Martha is anxious. You know, she, she's cooking this meal. She's probably peeking her head out, right, looking for Mary's help, looking to see if Mary's going to realize, hey, I'm in the kitchen. Hello, you going to help me, right? She's peeking. But Mary is fixated on Jesus. She's fixated on Jesus. So she asked Jesus to step in. In verse 41, notice Jesus' attitude towards her. Jesus doesn't uh, come down on her hard, right? But he has compassion. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Verse 42 says, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So we see Jesus' response, he displays compassion. He sees Martha in this struggle, right? And the awesome thing about it is that God, whenever we are going through this, whenever we're playing the comparison game, whenever we're anxious, whenever we're doing something uh, for ourselves and not for God, uh, when we come to God, and, and oftentimes God comes to us, right? God comes to us in grace. And he responds compassionately. He says, Martha, Martha. And that's, that's a sign of compassion. So he realizes. The Bible says that we are, uh, God realizes that we are men that are just dust. God has pity on us in our foolishness. Amen? God has pity when we're anxious. God has pity when we are struggling. And so he responds to Martha with compassion. But he doesn't just uh, leave it there. He diagnoses her heart. He says, Martha, your worries are many. You're anxious about a lot. That's why it's so important to get before the word of God. You see, Hebrews says the, the word of God is live and active, right? It discerns the motives of our heart. When we get into the word of God, when we allow actually the word of God to get into us, it discerns our motives, right? When, it, when, it, uh, when I open the scriptures and I see uh, Jesus's love and I see what God commands of me in response with his help, I see moments where I'm not treating my wife the way that I should. I see moments when I'm being selfish with my money. I see moments where I'm not honoring God the way that I should. And so the word of God comes in and it diagnoses our hearts. It diagnoses our anxieties. It diagnoses where our affections are. It diagnoses where our attention is at. And so Jesus lovingly comes to Martha he displays compassion. He diagnoses her heart. But he also directs her to something better. You see, God's not just trying to get a bunch of good boys and girls. This is not what God designed in the gospel. God designed the gospel to be a saving force in our lives, but it's to draw us to something better. You see, all of us in our lives have spent our lives focusing on our needs, focusing on our wants trying to direct our lives to something that we think will satisfy. Whether it's a new job, whether it's um, if, I, if I just had this relationship, if I uh, just got on top this way, if I just made uh, more money, if I just got further in my life, if I was free of this uh, sin, if I was free of this habit, then my life would be better. But Jesus doesn't bring the gospel to us just to change our behavior, just to change our circumstances. No, Jesus is actually trying to focus our attention on something better, and that's himself. 
And that's what Mary got. Mary wasn't just enthralled by Jesus' words. Mary was enthralled by Jesus himself. And this is the, the beautiful thing about the gospel. Let me just share with you why is having Jesus at the end of what we're looking for. When we spend time with Jesus, what are we, what are we looking for? We're not just looking for more knowledge, right? We're not just looking to, to memorize more theology. We're not just looking to, to have a one-up on that, that Christian brother or sister beside us, right? We're not just looking to show people how much we know or to uh, act more godly or spiritually, although that's part of it. In our relationship, we should be developing spiritually, but we are seeking God. As we open the Bible, what we should really be looking for is Jesus himself. We're looking for Jesus. We're asking God, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, we're saying, God, open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things from your word, from your law. We're looking for the beauty of Jesus when we read the scriptures, when we pray and spend time with God. What we're not doing, although God invites us to make requests, God invites us to pour out our hearts in, what we're actually looking for is for us to see Jesus. God, I need you. God, I want to know you better. God, I'm seeking for you to change me because I see myself and I want to be more like you. That is the cry of the Christian's heart. That is the cry of the disciple's heart, that we are looking for Jesus in all that we do. As we parent, as we be, be uh, good spouses, we are not looking to just do that for the sake of posting it or, or so that we can have a badge of honor that says, man, I'm a great husband or wife or I'm a great parent. No, we're looking because we realize the grace that Jesus has offered us and we want to be a display of that in the world. We want to be a display of that to our spouses. We want to be a display of that to those that we are around, to our friends, to our coworkers. We are seeking to emulate Christ so that people would see Jesus. And Jesus says at the end of that is that of that verse in 42 is that what Mary has chosen what Mary has chosen is better and it will not be taken away from her. Christian, your relationship with Jesus is not in vain. Your pursuit of Jesus in the scriptures, your pursuit of God in prayer is not in vain. And why is it not in vain? Well, I'm glad you asked. So we experience God here and later. We experience the joy in knowing Jesus here. When we confess our sins, when we repent of our sins, when we are willing to humbly come before Jesus, just like Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, that's a display of humility. When we come to God and say, God, I know I'm not in the position to uh, be worthy to be in your presence, but God, you came in love and sent your son for me so that I might be forgiven. When we repent, turn from sin, and put our trust in Jesus, we receive the benefits of Jesus now and later. So here, what do we experience? The Bible says we experience forgiveness from our sins and grace and mercy on deeper levels. That's Ephesians 1. You ever felt really guilty? Just me? <laughs> Jesus takes away our guilt and the sin and the shame so that we could have a relationship with him. That's Ephesians 1. We experience control over our sinful thoughts and actions so that we can please God and love others. It was not possible for us to please God or love others the way that God desired apart from Christ's work on the cross 
and apart from his Holy Spirit that he gives to us. Romans 6 makes this clear that we now have the ability to say yes to Jesus and no to sin and get control over those things that controlled us. We experience God's Holy Spirit who pours out God's love on our hearts, Romans 5, 5. The fact that when I'm experiencing loneliness or I'm experiencing a sense of disconnection from people or even sometimes disconnection from God, the Bible says the Holy Spirit pours out God's love. He reminds me that I'm a child of God. He reminds me that I'm forgiven. He reminds me that God's care is with me always, that I'm never forsaken. God pours out his love on our hearts. We experience God in hard times. 2 Corinthians 1, the Bible says we've been comforted with God's comfort and so that we might comfort others. We experience the comfort of God in hard times as believers. And then the Holy Spirit helps us to be changed and transformed so that we can radiate God to the world and point people to him. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. See, God loves you enough to meet you where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. God changed us. And brought us to himself, but God is God is not done with us yet. Y'all grateful for that? That we're, we're, we're at now where we see ourselves. I mean, when I wake up in the morning and I see some of the things that are in my heart, man, I'm 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 uh sometimes I'm left dejected when I say, God, like my heart is still this wicked, like my heart is still not desiring the things of God, my heart is still not loving people the way that I should, and I find myself dejected and saying, God. I still have work to do. And then God comes in, thankfully, through his word, through time with him. He reminds you, Ricky, I loved you and I'm not done with you yet. Philippians makes this clear that the good work that God has started, he will bring to completion. That is such a hopeful verse. And if you don't know that one, I encourage you, read it, study it, mark it on your heart that God, the work that God has started in you, the moment that you place your faith in Jesus, God has a plan to take you where his destination is for you. And while we experience God here, we also experience God there. And, and even when I say there, I'm, 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 it, it's a little misleading. The, the Bible says that God has a plan to bring heaven to earth. That God has a plan to redesign earth as we know it, that there is a day when coronavirus will be no more. There is a day when racism will be no more. There is a day coming where the tears that we've cried, the, the, the frustrating moments that we've experienced will be no more. But check this out. While all of that is great and all of that is good and all of that is to be pursued with prayer and action, the reward that we experience is God himself. You see, the fact that God gives good gifts, this is what James said, God is a good gift giver, right? Imagine the best gift you've given someone else. Well, God will outshine you 10 million times that, right? But the gifts that God gives to us are an extension of himself. How many of you guys uh, like good food? Yeah? Right? Well, the goodness that we experience from good food is a gift from God. The reason why we can appreciate good food and say, man, this is good, is because God is good. Right? How many of you guys love your families and appreciate hugs and time with your family? 
right? Well, we experience that as an extension of God's goodness. Because God is good, we experience good things. Uh, You guys experience the joy of having your finances intact, amen? Especially during this time, right? We experience the joy of uh, laughter. We experience the joy of uh, time with people um, when things go right and not bad. We experience all of these things, but it's pointing to someone greater. It's not just the gifts in themselves we're looking for. We're actually looking for the one who gives the good gifts. So if all of those good gifts that we've experienced in this lifetime are extensions of God, then how great is God? If God is the, the good gift giver, if God is the one whom we experience all of these good things, then how much greater is God? And so I like to say it like this. Uh, many of us, when we have a subscription to something, we have usually a, uh, the basic version, right? We, we have uh, sometimes when we, when we have subscriptions, we have a basic version of that thing. We have a basic version, whether it's Spotify Uh, Hulu, whatever your platform of choice is, we have a basic version. But when we get to heaven, we get the premium version of God. See, on on earth, we experience God's gifts. We experience a taste, a foretaste of glory is what the Bible says. We experience God, but not yet quite in his fullness. But there's a day coming that we will experience the fullness of God. Oh, man, I don't, I don't know if you, you catch the excitement in that, but we will experience everything. I mean, if you can package all of those good experiences you've had in your lifetime, all of those good gifts that God has given you, imagine what it's going to be like to be in front of the gift giver, in front of the, the person himself. And so, guys, this is what we're pursuing in our relationship with God. This is what we are pursuing when we spend time with God. Our motivation is the gospel, the grace of Jesus, what he has given to us in spite of our sin, in spite of uh, what we have done and deserving of God's wrath and justice. God instead gives his son to us. He gives Jesus as a gift of love to us so that whomever turns from their sin and puts their trust in Jesus has eternal life with him. But eternal life, as John 17 says, is knowing God knowing God experientially, not just being saved from hell, not just being saved from circumstances, not just being saved so that everything could be all right. No, it's saved so that you would know God, you would know Jesus experientially. And as we saw in these passages, uh, Mary makes the necessary sacrifice to know Jesus. Mary uh, puts aside the cultural expectations of the day, right, to sit at the feet of Jesus. She chooses to not help her sister to spend time with Jesus because she values Jesus' words. She values Jesus himself. And so what does that mean for us? How do we uh, sacrifice? If we're a disciple, the Bible says we need to carry our cross. We need to lay aside some things in order to follow Jesus more fully. And so let me offer some suggestions. Uh, At times, we might need to delete or suspend our social media accounts. Listen, I'm a, a I'm, I'm one who scrolls. My wife will tell you there's times I'm mindlessly scrolling and I end up getting depressed because I see someone's life is better than mine. Someone's Christian experience is better than mine. And oftentimes what we're doing, we're feeding into that. And it's a sure way to rob us of joy. Other times it's just distraction. Look, as much as we, some of your phones actually uh, can, tell, can tell on you. They tell on you that your screen time, if you have an iPhone, right? Um, for those that have Androids, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, iPhones will tell you how much screen time you've been spending, right? And so for some of us, our screen time is getting in the way of our relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying you need to spend 
five hours a day on God. That's not up to me. That's between you and the Lord. But there are oftentimes little foxes, little things that get in the way of us spending time with God. That might mean your social media. Uh, sometimes we need to lay aside our to-do list. Now, listen, there's moments where you want to get ahead on laundry. You want to get ahead on making sure the, the house is good. You want to make sure, sure you get ahead on food prep and all of that stuff. But there might be a time where we need to lay aside the things that we have in our minds and our agendas to do in order to spend time with Jesus. And I promise you it's not, it, it will be worth it. Sometimes we need to restructure our day to make time with God. I'm a terrible planner, y'all. I just got to admit, I am terrible at time management at times. Um, but if we're going to be with Jesus, if we're going to see this as valuable, if we're going to experience the blessing of what it means to be with Jesus, we need to restructure our time. It might mean going to sleep early to wake up early before the family's up or before your spouse is up. We might need to put aside Netflix and Hulu and all of those platforms in order to make time for the Lord. But again, like I said, it's never in vain. It's never in vain. And understand this, guys, that this isn't a a, a one-day fix. This isn't an immediate fix. But I understand this, that God says that in Romans, he says, if God did not spare his own son, that means if God did not withhold his most prized possession from you, then how much more will he not give you all things? Some of you guys are here and you're like, man, Pastor Rick, I've tried to spend time with God and make it consistent, but it's failed. Or God, you don't, or, or Pastor Rick, you don't know how uh, crazy and hectic my, my life is. And, and you're right, I don't. But one of the things that I do know is that God wants to spend time with you. God wants you to know him. It's part of your inheritance. And so if that's the case, I know that God is providing some time for you to spend with him. It might not look like everybody else's, right? Responsibilities change, life change. It might not look like everybody else's time. But the important thing is to spend time because God desires you to. God is there waiting for you. It's not a duty that God is expecting you to accomplish. It's, a, it's an opportunity. It's a privilege to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so that's my prayer for us. I, I, when, I was, when I was praying um, and, and thinking through this, uh, this text, this sermon, I felt especially too, and I, I just want to encourage that, especially in this new season of life where things are crazy, things are going to probably be busier um, as we try to figure out life. God, God is saying the answer to uh, running this race of being able to endure with joy and be a witness to those around you is spending time with me. And so I encourage you, make time for the Lord because he loves you, because he's there waiting for you. And this is our inheritance. Would you pray with me? Father God, words cannot express, God, how good you've been to us. God, words cannot express the value that that you have, God. And so, God, we, we pray, Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for us, God, as your church, God, that you would open our eyes, Lord, to see just how valuable you are. God, I pray against distractions, Lord, in this season of life. God, I pray against 
the things that would lead us to compare ourselves to others and rob us of joy that you have for us in our time with you. Just as Martha looked at Mary, God, and compared her experience with Mary's God, that their father, that we would put aside comparison, we'd put aside distraction, God, and we would sit with you, God, and realize that you, Father, have made yourself available. God, John 1, like you said, you came down to earth, God, and tabernacled among us. You lived among us, Father, so that you might be with us so that we might be drawn into you and be satisfied in you, God. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone who's not experiencing that in this season, God, anyone who's anxious and overwhelmed about life, God, and is not even seeing the availability of of time with you, God, or seeing the worth of it, God, I pray that you would open our eyes in this season, God. You would open our eyes even today, God, that when we leave here, we would desire even to get with you, God. So, Father, thank you even that you uh, you draw us to yourself, Lord. You give us opportunities and you draw us there, Lord. And so, Father, would you do that, do that, do that today, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. What a word. What a word we heard from Pastor Ritz. That story is a great reminder. When you think about what Mary chose to do, she chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Well, why? Because she was in his presence. And Martha was cooking, which was fine, because she was performing a task that was an action. So neither one is wrong. Because when we sit in the presence of God, he's going to give us something to do. And the reality is, is that God is a God of action. God is one who gives. So he chooses to give us something when we are in his presence. But here's the thing. When we're in his presence, we need to be present. Because just because you're there in front of Jesus doesn't mean that you're paying him attention. That's what we do with each other, isn't it? I can be looking right at you, but your mind can be somewhere else. No, it's we need to be totally present with God so that God can do something in us to make us like him. And part of what's like God is that God is a giver. God is constantly giving. And and that and that's part of our worship to God, isn't it? Part of our worship is being able to give to him not only our time but our treasure see you're not really giving to the church although through the church you're giving but when we give our tithes and our offerings we are giving it to God you have to believe that and so it's time to give and you you can give right now over here to my left you're going to find a box so after the service you can Take your offering and put it in a box. And those who are watching us online, you can give on your screen. There's a place to to do that. And so we ask that you give. And so let us be reminded that as we leave our service today, that God wants us to spend time with him. But when we're spending time with him, he wants us to be fully present. And then he's going to ask us, something to do. Listen intently so that you can perform the task that he has for you. Let's close out with a word of prayer.
Father, we thank you for being present with us today. We thank you for the worship that was a part of our lives today. We thank you for the word that we heard today, Lord, which reminds us that there's no other place to be than in your presence. Lord, we ask that whatever is distracting us, our minds, whatever is pulling us away from you, whatever is drawing us to things that aren't really that important, Lord, we ask that you will remove those things and give us a desire to be in your presence so that we might be made more like you. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.